0: Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast, I'm Dominic Bohan, the host of the Data Driven Podcast here and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Deidre Downing, who is the Chief Learning Officer at StoryIQ. Deidre's got a wealth of experience in education focused on teaching large enterprises the value of data literacy. I'm thrilled to invite Deidre and some of her friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our learn listeners. Okay. Here's a special data literacy episode of the Data-Driven Podcast, guest hosted by Deidre Downing, the Chief Learning Officer at StoryIQ.
1: Welcome to the Data-Driven Podcast, where we dive deep into getting more value from our business data. Whether you're a data professional, leader, or just curious about developing data skills, the Data-Driven Podcast is here to guide you along your journey. I'm your host, Deidre Downing of StoryIQ. And today, we're going to hear about revolutionizing transport with data. Joining us is Andy Chatham, who's the co-founder at Demo, which is an open platform that connects data producers, like cars, and consumers, like applications and businesses, to unlock next-generation mobility services. It's a project that tech-savvy listeners who are excited about cars, IoT, data, crypto, Web3, and software development can benefit from. Yesterday, Andy and I had a chance to chat about the future of mobility for transit-dense cities. And today, we're going to continue our conversation and discuss what you can do with real-time data with cars. Andy, thanks again for coming back on the podcast with us.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Sure. And I had a lot to think about after our episode yesterday, and... I, I love the idea of having access to my data with my car. I'm a data nerd. Uh, there's a ton that I feel like I could do with it. What about people who aren't sure what they could do? How how can you use that data? What can you do with it currently?
0: Yeah, sure. So it, it really depends. We have you know, a variety of different users on the network, about 40,000 vehicles connected after um, a year or so of it being live. And one of the things that we've been surprised by is the number of different use cases that we found. Initially, we thought it was just making better insurance policies or helping people get a better rate on their car loans, a lot of existing applications that are out there. And you know what we found is that people were excited to build games. There's a lot of like tax tracking implement implications. Once we started getting um, error code data, so check engine light data from the vehicles that alerted us to... Users that were getting their catalytic converters stolen, and like, there's all these kind of you know crazy um, a- applications that that have come out of the woodwork. And, and the step, you know, the first step has really been like giving people access to their own data, giving them one app that they can see data from all of their vehicles in. You know, whether you have a Tesla, a GM, a Ford vehicle in in your garage, and um, that's the starting point. And now that we're you know opening up the apis and letting you know developers look at it and and data scientists really dig in um, we're starting to see you know a lot of really really fascinating stuff come out of it and that's what we love that that's what uh, gets us out of bed every day
1: and you know that's very much the here and now there's a whole future out there. And and certainly, when I think of data, it's it's often, you know, looking back and doing the analysis. And yesterday, I used an example of figuring out like, does my driving pattern fit with the charging availability of an electric car? In New York, unfortunately, for me, no. Uh, but for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you don't need any analysis for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Just picturing extension cords, you know, going from building to building. But where do you think this could bring us in the future? What are what are some, you know, Big picture, blue sky uses.
0: Yeah, I mean, so so we're build we're building a decentralized IoT platform, and cars are just the first category of things to come online, and you know they're by far the biggest data producer and the biggest, you know, most expensive IoT asset that that's out there. And and w- one thing that we're doing is you know creating a way for people to add them and to connect them and, and start collecting data. And then the, the next step where things start to get really interesting is where you have everything on a common platform, and you can start to have the devices essentially talk to each other and talk to higher level systems that are able to coordinate them more effectively. So that's like, you know, smarter parking garages, smarter charging systems, you know, system level, um, you know, things that, that can really start to be not just cars, but also, you know, charging stations or you know security camera sensors that are maybe in the environment, you know, batteries and and, and so, being able to combine all of those things into, into one layer is where you know, we start to get very excited. And, and um, you know, I've already had quite a bit of interest, and in, it's in on our, our roadmap to start to add things that are not cars to demo. And that will mean your charging station will be able to talk to your car. They'll be able to pay each other, share data with the same application. And you know, that, that's something that is obviously going to take quite a while to develop. But we have all of the pieces in place today, and um, you know, we've created this this better framework for them all to talk to each other. And so a lot of the data analysis that's done today or, or the value of the data that's, that's in demo today is looking at kind of like snapshots of things and you know making smarter decisions, but the next level is really like making, uh, actually executing those decisions in, in the real world. And yeah, th- that's something that is gonna um, really, I think, start to become obvious uh, later this year when we, we add more applications to the platform.
1: I can see where so much of this data is so useful for autonomous cars and driving programs, but a lot of people are skeptical of those just, you know, safety reasons. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'd be a little freaked out if I saw a car driving down the street without, its, without a driver. What would you say to people who are a little skeptical of this data sharing um, and the, the potential benefits from it?
0: Yeah, I, I think one of the most important things is making it very clear that it, the idea of control and making it very clear the extent to which the users and owners of those devices control them and understand where the data is going and what it's being used for and also just it's very one one thing that we see is kind of a light bulb moment for some people is when they realize that they like own their copy of it basically and they're in control kind of like you are with you know your, your iphone when an app asks you for permission to look at your data and you say no like i don't want that and um giving people the ability to to you know just understand what is being transmitted by the system and know that they have their own copy is a really the good first step. And yet one, one thing that I saw you know, before I, I started, DEMO was responsible for operating large fleets of autonomous vehicles. And so I saw people get to experience that technology for the first time, all the time. And you learn what kind of questions people have and and what makes them uncertain about things. And and it all kind of comes down to control for me. It's like, do people feel like they have the ability to like hit the button and stop the vehicle and get out? Or if they're a pedestrian and the vehicle's driving around them, like they know that it's going to stop if you walk in front of it. And so like that creates all of these interesting dynamics. And um, I think at the end of the day, like being able to build more transparent systems is going to increase the level of trust. And that will get people to the point where they feel more comfortable with the technology and, one one thing that we've built into Demo from day one is the ability to not share any data with anyone in certain areas. So like you don't want somebody to you know have your exact home location or where you work or something like that. You can you know fill it in on the map and say don't collect data here and like just those kind of like um, you know subtle tools that let the user know like you're actually in control here is something that we get a lot of positive feedback on.
1: The ownership, I think, is uh, what's really standing out for me. And I'm, I'm just picturing me trying to like explain this to my dad, who is a complete Luddite, you know, like spiral bound notebook in the glove compartment, figures out his mileage, you know, analog each time he fills up. But then I think about how particularly for people in his age range, right? autonomous driving would be amazing, right? He's getting to the point where like, maybe we worry about him driving. Um, he's not that old, but you know, uh, I just think there's so many benefits that a lot of people can't see. And so how would you maybe get the word out around how important it is to be uh, collecting and sharing this data?
0: I think for a lot of people, and I kind of think of it as like the bell curve of like super early adopters. And those are generally people that are using Demo today because they're very aware of data ownership and and want, you know, the connected vehicle experience. And and when you get to the people on the other side of the bell curve where like, I actually don't want more technology in my life, like you have to have a respect for those people and like really understand that like, that's not even necessarily like a conscious decision on their part, but just like their willingness to engage with a topic is, is very low. It's not on their priority list. And so I've actually often found it very helpful to like focus on actual use cases where it's like, oh, you're logging your mileage in this spiral bound book and then doing some calculation like there is a way for a computer to help you with that. And like, here it is, (laughs) like you could, you know, um, and then that gets them, you know, started to the point where they're like, okay, well, who owns this data? Where is it going? And if you have the right answers to those questions, people will engage with it. And, um, you know, our, our approach generally is like, we're not trying to go convince people that don't want to use our, our product or the protocol, the network at all. Um, and I think a lot of people will end up using it without knowing it. And that's also fine too. Like there's, plenty of people that drive cars that are for work or, you know, their parents, like p- parents monitoring teen drivers is a big use case for us. And, you know, there's, a, a, I think increasingly, you know, large number of people that also don't own cars and, and use car sharing programs and systems that can benefit from te- the technology that we're, we're creating. And so there's, there's plenty of ways for, for us to, um, you know, kind of push the, the vision that we have into reality without having to like go door to door and convince people that don't trust technology to use it. <laughs>
1: I'm just having these dreams of like my dad hopping in a car to go to a doctor's appointment or something. And I don't have to be a part of it. Uh, sorry, dad. Love you. But that's a, an additional chore. Uh-
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, autonomous driving has the the potential to benefit so many people's lives. I mean, like especially folks that have issues getting around today and, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that initially drew me to the space. And then, you know, what I realized is it's going to be a very long road. People thought in 2015 that it was five years away and, you know, here we are. And, you know, so making, making sure that, like, you know, you're able to really build those technologies on the right foundation has, has been one of the biggest learnings from the last you know, seven years or so in the space.
1: You mentioned you've got about 40,000 people that are using your hardware and sharing data with you. And 40,000 seems like a lot, but in a country of, I don't know, what would you say?
0: It's about a billion dollars worth of cars. That's one way to look at it.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that really amps it up right there.
0: (laughs) <laughs> the numbers, are, the numbers are the numbers are quite large in the automotive space. And then it's, it's also worth mentioning that, like, we built the hardware. The hardware is kind of like Roku for your TV, where you know you plug it in if your TV doesn't have a connection. But we also have built software connections to a lot of the automaker connected vehicle platforms. So if you have a Tesla, for example, you can log in and start using our app and demo in general without a hardware device. So you're basically getting access to the data from your car because it's already connected to the internet. And a lot of people are driving cars around that they don't know are connected to, which is one of the things that we've learned. Um, So yeah, we also use existing systems where we can.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a, a huge amount of car sales that you're thinking of there. I guess my question that was forming in my head that is, do you think the data that you're collecting is representative of sort of the, I don't want to say the US as a whole, because that really pigeonholes it, uh, but, you know, we are we talking about dense cities. Some people would consider Nashville a dense city, but compare that to New York. It's not. Are, are you seeing differences in sort of the the way that data is being used or uh, it's being it's, it's influencing depending on, let's, let's say, the density of the area or the uh, uh, yeah, or the uh, the availability of public transit? Like, I'm just so curious because, yeah, we're not it's, it's not all one single situation.
0: Yeah, mo- mobility is very decentralized to begin with. It's inherently a local thing. And we we have started to see some really fascinating... So so um, just to kind of level set, like our user base is very, skews very early adopter. It skews, you know, the easiest way to start using Demos if you have a Tesla or a newer car. So there's a lot of people with newer cars. And then with the hardware devices coming online, this is actually supporting a lot of older vehicles that have no connectivity and also more maintenance problems. So it's like kind of like broad... Um, you know, diverse set of users. And we also support every country in Europe, the UK, Turkey, Canada, and the US. So we have users all over the place. People have figured out how to use the product in you know, over 50 countries at this point. And so we get a lot of you know, diversity. And of course, we see geographic differences. One of the most interesting things we're looking at right now with the aggregated data sets is how electric vehicles are performing in the super cold weather that we're having in the US. And that changes every model year as there's new type of batteries. And so being able to see, like we have 10,000 Teslas on the platform and we can see them you know, going back to 2014 or you know, 2013, maybe it's the, the oldest one. Um, that, that we have on the network and so we can see the next generation batteries performing better in the cold or sometimes not and you know different charging cycles can can impact that whether you're somebody who's plugging in on um, you know a, a regular outlet versus a level three supercharger every day and so we get some fascinating data that is very you know the high, high dimensional <laughs> you can join lots of things in and figure out um, you know trends that, that would be very hard to pin down otherwise across different types of cars and And the other interesting thing, um, you know, is being able to show people, and and we talked about this uh, yesterday with with your car, like being able to show people data that helps them inform a decision that might be far out in the future, like what car should I get next, is really, um, you know, something that we're kind of starting to focus on. And like, so for you, with your, I think, 2013 Subaru, you, you know, are thinking about getting an EV, but we can show you data that says, hey, actually, like, the most environmentally conscious thing to do right now is keep your current car until this point, And then you can get, um, you know, based on your driving patterns, this is the right type of electric vehicle to get. And, you know, here's how you could reasonably keep it charged around your neighborhood or maybe a plug-in hybrid makes more sense. Um, and yeah, so, so being able to kind of like funnel that data back into a user's life when we have a long-term relationship with them around this very important asset is, um, you know, kind of something that we get excited
1: about. Who's, doing the analysis on that i'm just i'm just thinking how lovely it would be to like open up an app one day and it's just like oh nope keep your car you know this is this is the best choice and i don't have to put any effort into it so
0: <laughs> or yeah or or i mean the one one way that we've started to think about it from a product perspective is that you'll have everybody especially people that are you know sort of diligent about collecting data about different aspects of their life and and giving um you know ai tools access to it is that you'll have a mechanic or somebody that, you know, is like an advisor that's like basically always on your side and knows everything about the data that you have and can be, you know, giving you updates like, oh, you need to get gas. Like tomorrow you usually drive 30 miles. So that means you're going to need gas before noon. So like, you know, here's your quick update or like there's you know, so, some kind of like intelligent agent that is able to have context about your life is really where, um, you know, we, we get excited about a lot of the AI tools that are developing and, we know that they're very limited when you use them they're very limited by their access to your personal data and people want to feel comfortable and they want to feel like they own their data if they're giving you know, open AI or whoever access but like that's why we get that's a whole rabbit hole around um, you know open source AI versus the you know more corporate stuff and I think you could probably guess where we fall on that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, clearly like my mind is spinning I've got so many ideas here uh, and really it's so interesting to think about the data you can collect and I'm just thinking about the uses of um, you know and I, I can't believe I was just thinking u s centric before but you know there's giant cities all over the world that are not as car dependent as us and and learning from different options for transportation or different ways that you can you know reduce your carbon footprint by enacting different policies um, I just feel like this I could just like spiral on this
0: <laughs> car sharing yeah I think is a huge <laughs> Yeah, and and one thing that we've definitely learned is um, people respond to incentives. So we have uh, like as part of demo for signing up, you get a reward point for sharing your data, and you know those trade and like have, have value. And people, you know, we can incentivize, but with you know the the protocol itself, different behaviors like connecting certain types of cars. Eventually, um, there there could be like negative incentives that are pushed in by a local government to say, hey, if you drive less, like well. <laughs> Um, give you money to spend on transit or on a more active transportation system and one one area where i think there's a tremendous amount of potential is in peer-to-peer car sharing and it kind of had like a false start in the u.s and a car to go rolled out in new york and ultimately it was like the city kind of like rejected it because they were giving them so many parking tickets and like there were just problems around coordinating that that type of service and i i think it's something that will have another Go at it. Like, you know, Turo is there today, but it's kind of like just a, another rental car agency, but something that's like truly peer to peer and local and allows people to feel like, Hey, I live on this block in Brooklyn and I have access to a truck or a minivan. If I need it and can book it very easily and like, you know, actually kind of deliver on that vision. I think, you know, better connected vehicle systems will be a big part of making that happen. And it's one of those ideas that I think is just going to take a while, like has obviously taken a while to develop. Um, and I think that will be where it intersects with the lives of people that have not wanted to or couldn't afford a car up to this point. And like having access to better mobility options and of which a car is just just part of it is is really the, the vision, I think, in the future. And definitely something we're interested in supporting at the application layer of demo and something that we've um, you know had lots of fascinating conversations around.
1: I, I can only imagine how fun it would be to f- be a fly on that wall. I imagine that our listeners who had not heard of Demo before, some of the data sharing that you've discussed might now really be interested. Uh, can you tell them how to get started with uh, Demo? Or you know, you don't have to plug your product, but you certainly can. Um, how can people you know start start sharing? Get on this platform.
0: Yeah, so so we've made um, we've made one of the best connected vehicle applications that you can use for your car. It's called Demo Mobile, um, and you can check it out and, and see the hardware and also how to get connected if you um, already have a connected vehicle at drive com, And yeah, it's, um, you know, something that we launched about a year ago and, and went from, you know, 3000 cars to 35,000 cars in about, um, 12 months. So it's still you know rapidly growing and, and developing. And, um, you know, one, one thing that we'll be rolling out later in the year is more, um, effective services that are driven by the data from the vehicles that you connect. So not only will you be able to see like where your car is on the map and how much gas it has left and the tire pressure, but like um, how you can save money on tires and things that you can do to solve problems that otherwise would require you to go and type your VIN number into a form online and, you know, sign up for an appointment somewhere, like making that all kind of like seamlessly integrated into the the real-time data from the car is a big um, goal of ours. And yeah, uh, always happy to talk to users. And it's one of the things that um, we get a lot of energy out of here is like helping people solve car problems and like have positive experiences with, uh, you know, IoT technology in general.
1: Yeah, Well, your energy and enthusiasm and love of this is contagious. I'm, you know, definitely going to go uh, check out more about demo after we're done recording here, which is in just a couple of moments. I think we're in a pretty good place to wrap, but is there anything that you haven't shared with us, Andy, that you think is important to share about real-time data or anything else around the the transportation space?
0: Yeah, I mean, for for, for folks that are listening to the podcast, I think it's it's really, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people that hadn't thought about the sort of like why now for connected vehicle data and just like open IoT systems in in general. And I think it's a really fascinating time to be looking at that just because There's increasing access and standardization that has sort of hit a threshold where it's possible to build something like Demo and integrate it with the charging station network or build an insurance product on top of it. And there's a tremendous amount of use cases that people have been thinking about that are just now actually feasible to build. And a ton of work has gone into that. And and I think the AI thing that's on the top of everybody's mind or has been for the last year is just going to accelerate that because people are going to get so much more in in benefits from having access to you know clean copies of their data being able to you know kind of have their own ai agent that is on their side versus having to rely on on the cloud for that kind of stuff and so it's just a really exciting time to get out and, and build something new and just looking for pools of previously unavailable data is you know you'll, you'll get excited about cars pretty quickly if you start doing that
1: Well, I think that is a great ending note for this episode. So thanks again to Andy Chatham, the co-founder at Demo for joining us. If you'd like to contact Andy, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at AJ Chatham, C-H-A-T-H-A-M, or visit his company website at drivedemo.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to datadrivenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you want to share your most compelling narratives with our audience of data storytellers, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Data Driven Podcast. Of course, you can always contact me directly at linkedin.com slash in slash Deidre Downing, or find us at, at StoryIQ on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. That's all for today, but until next time, remember that when it comes to data, less is more.